Hey everyone, welcome. Welcome to July. Uh, thrilled that you're here. My name is Steve. If you don't know me, I'm on the preaching team here at Hollis Center Church and on the elder team as well. And thrilled to be able to share some of God's word with you today. I don't know if Kathy Sargent's watching, but a message from all of us is we love you. We're here for you during this time and we're sorry for your loss. But boy, he's not sorry. He's celebrating. Um, we are going to do communion later in the service, so if you don't have the elements, a uh, good time to go back and grab them. Also, there are a few more ESV journals for the book of Colossians back there. If you want to grab one, um, we'll be out. If you go to the HCC community page, you can see where to buy your own. Um, just keep an eye on that. If you do have it with you, let's open it up. We are in the book of Colossians. And last week, if you were here, I hope that you were, sermon titled Mistaken Identity, if you recall, we took a real hard look at the fact that we are not special because we're great people, we're special because of the gospel. And we saw that the word saint has been transformed into a word that Paul never intended it to be used as. And so that for us, when we think of the word saint, it doesn't retain a whole lot of its original intention. And we have to fight to remember that when Paul says, I'm addressing you saints, he simply means those that have put their trust in Christ. And that is what makes them special, nothing else. Not someone who's amazing. A saint is not someone who's amazing. A saint is someone who has had something amazing done for them. And so, fellow saints, let's continue our study in Colossians as we're going to kind of continue into, in, in Paul's introduction to this church that he had not started or met, but he wrote this letter to. And today's sermon I've titled, A Savior, A Tribe, and A Home. And we're going to be in Colossians 1, verses 3 through 14. So in whatever form you have your Bible, uh, would love for you to get there. If you've got the ESV journal and a pen, hopefully you're able to take some notes. And as I shared with you last week, the church that Paul's writing to, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand on this, and this is going to be my uh, hypothesis for the book as I read it, my sense is that Epaphras started this church. He was the disciple of Paul's. He went to Colossae, a city that was kind of dying, and he started a church. And then he had some struggles, and I believe that he went to Paul and said, Paul, what do I do about this? And I, I do, I believe the book of Colossians was written to combat those things that Epaphras was struggling with in his church. And what we can see obviously from Paul's writings, is that people were trying to add to the gospel. They were saying, okay, you got something good, that's great, but we're now going to add this. You, def you definitely have got to be fasting. You definitely have to be doing this in order to achieve more spiritual fullness. And without those things, well, you're really not there. They're promising a new level of spiritual fullness. And 
the picture that's been in my head, and I just have to share it with you, and then you can all go, wow, what is he doing up there? Um, is, ever, anybody seen the movie The Jerk with Steve Martin? Look, I don't even know whether I can recommend the movie to you because I don't remember most of it, but I remember the one scene where Steve Martin's leaving. He's done. And he grabs what he needs, and he's like, I'm out of here. And then he goes, and all I need is this. And then he goes over, and all I need is this lamp. And all I, do you remember this, do you remember the scene? If you haven't, you can go see it. But by the end of the, he's weighed down with all this stuff he said he needed. And that's just the picture in my head. This, these folks have come into Epaphras' church in Colossae, and they're saying, well, yeah, got it. The gospel's good, but let's do this and this and this and this and this, and we're going to add these to it, and then you'll be in good shape. Then you'll have this next level of fullness. And so in these few verses that we're going to look at today, verses 3 through 14, Paul's going to let us know the basics. He's going to know, let us know what we have to have for the Christian life. And so we're going to see that in these verses, and even in the book, but fundamentally in these verses, this is the point I want you to see today. Getting the basics right is the key to following Jesus well. Getting the basics right is the key to following Jesus well. In just about every area of life, there are some basic things that are needed to do something well. If you're a computer programmer, loops and if-then statements have to be understood before you can do anything. Wow, what a nerd. Wow. If you're a hunter or a nimrod, yeah, you were here, you were here. If you weren't here and that sounded terrible, it wasn't. Um, if you're a hunter, gun safety, loading the gun and shooting the gun, pretty basic things. Car maintenance, you've got to have tire pressure and oil and the battery's got to be working. Abby and Shane just had their baby, praise God. What are the basics when you first have a baby? Eat, sleep, poop, that's it. There's nothing else you need. Everything else is after that, right? Those are the basics. So there are always a few basics needed to be able to do something well. And following Jesus is no different. So let's read the passage, and I want to make sure you understand what Paul is doing. Paul is counseling now a group of believers who've had someone come in and say, yeah, what you got was great. I want to add to it. And we're going to dig into a couple of the, of the verses specifically. So we're going to read right through verses 3 through 14. They'll be up here. We've also hopefully got them on something in front of you. And let's get started. Verse 3. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God and truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. There he is. How cool would that be to be called by Paul, beloved fellow servant? There we go. Paul continues, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. Verse 9, and so 
From the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Verse 11, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. There it is again. Verse 13, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And so we have some very basic things that Paul puts at the very beginning of this letter. And Paul's going to encourage them with these three basics. They're being challenged in their church to, be at, to add to what's been taught. And Paul's saying, let's keep it simple. So let's look at them. Basic number one, a savior. This is where it all starts and stops. We need a savior. Badly. Listen to what Paul says in verse 3. We're going to break verse 3 up in a couple different ways here. Verse 3, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. Paul thanks God for their faith in the Savior, Jesus Christ. And so if you're here and you're not sure exactly what that means, certainly dig. Dig, dig, dig. It's important. But in Romans, Paul spells it out pretty plainly, and I want you to be able to see what Paul is grateful for. In verse 3, he says, we thank God always when we pray for you. And if you're struggling with understanding the gospel, if you've got questions, Romans is Paul's treatise on it, and these verses pretty much rise out of the first half of Romans like a beacon. Romans 3, 20 through 22. Breathe. And let's look at this. Verse 20 is just a massive statement. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. Nothing in the law will justify you. But what do we get is since through the law comes knowledge of sin. The law tells us what sin is. It doesn't save us. Verse 21, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. And this shows us what matters, and this is why it's our first basic. No work you can do will make you right with God. None. Nothing. So many other world religions will show you it has something to do with your achievement, seven steps of enlightenment, follow this, do these things, get there. Paul says it right there. There is no work. There is no work that you can do that will make you right with God. None period at all. And we have to grab this. We have to embrace it. We have to own it. It is not about our performance. We've got to own this. It's basic number one. 
We need a Savior. No matter how good you think you are, no matter how good you think someone else is, we need a Savior. And so why is this so offensive? And Tim Keller says it this way. He says, the gospel, the good news of what Jesus has done, will always cause offense because it shows us having a need we cannot meet. shows us having a need we cannot meet, and we want it to be about us. And we saw some of this last week. What qualifies you to be a saint is not doing anything special. It's understanding there's nothing you can do. Basic number one, a savior. If you put your trust in Jesus... Are you still fighting the idea that you need a savior? Do you think you can do it on your own? You can't. You need a savior. Basic number one, savior. Basic number two, a tribe. A tribe. General definition of tribe is multiple generations of people that share something in common. It was used for the 12 tribes of Israel. It was used in ancient, ancient Rome in a number of different ways. I'm using it today to ref, refer to the multiple generations of people that share the gospel in common, even in this room. A tribe is a group of saints, multiple generations of saints. That's what we have in this room. Verse 3, we're going to go back to it. I'm going to highlight, hopefully, for you. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and we pray for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus the Savior and of the love that you have for all the saints. There is a brotherhood that is created among those who have a Savior. In Ephesians, if you recall, we saw that Paul kind of blows up this idea that an entirely new society has been created unlike any other based on those who put their trust in Jesus. The love that you have for all the saints. I'm going to go back to Romans again. In Romans 12, Paul talks about our life together in our tribe. Romans 12, verses 10 and 16. I just grabbed a couple. Outdo one another in showing honor. Verse 16, live in harmony with one another. Some of you have been around long enough to remember the Dunkin' Donuts cards that got thrown all around this room. We're not doing that again. But this was the passage we were covering. Outdo one another in showing honor. Whew. There are 72 different one another's in the New Testament. Just two of them here. Our community, our tribe is so important to God. It should be important to us as well. A quote here from Matt Chandler in his book, The Explicit Gospel. If you're looking for something to read this summer, it's short and wonderful. He says this. He says, we've been given the covenant community, our tribe, because we need each other. And together we'll be more mature, experience more life, and know more joy than we ever would apart from one another. Basic number one, it's not about us. We need a savior. Basic number two, God has given us a community, a tribe. If you have a savior, do you have a tribe? Do you have other Christians that you live in harmony with, that you show honor to? It is not about a building necessarily. 
This is not a place to come see some great music and to hear a little bit from the word. This is really a community. This is a tribe. This is a place where we're able to love one another. And it's not just on Sunday. So basic number one, we need a savior. Basic number two, God has given us a tribe. Basic number three, a home. A home. And in case you're wondering, this is not it. Let's go back to verse 3 again. I'm going to go all the way through verse 5. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, the Savior, and of the love that you have for all the saints, a tribe. Verse 5, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. In Philippians, Paul says this, and it's loaded with truth about why our home is basic number three. Philippians 3.20. This is what Paul says, and in context, it's just really, really cool, but we're just going to look at these couple verses. Paul says, but our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Our real home is heaven. Our bodies will be transformed to be like his body. Mark Pierce used to be one of the best athletes I knew. Now he just plays golf. <laughs> I don't even play golf. But the point is, we're going to get brand new bodies. No, Mark and I are not going to trampoline day. Is that insane or what? Why? Because we've just got bodies here that are just wasting away sooner or later. Think about it for a minute. Your lowly body will be transformed to be like his glorious body. Wow. How? By the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Wow. Talk about a passage that preaches itself. And so when we say that Linwood Garish is home now, this is what we mean. Hmm. He's home. We are not. We are not. Yet. Here's what Martin Luther said about heaven. He says, I would not give one moment of heaven for all the joy and riches of the world, even if it lasted for thousands and thousands of years. When you see it, and you think about it, and you realize how this week we will go and we will act like this place is our home. This mess is our home. The systems of this world are our home. They're not. They're not. Basic number one, 
a savior, basic number two, a tribe, basic number three, a home. And so I want you to see how Paul has done this. A savior, a tribe, a home, faith, love, and hope. Faith in our savior, love for our tribe, hope in our home. We're done. Those are the basics. Faith, love, hope, faith, hope, love. You see it in different orders. I'm going to quote Dick Lucas right now. He says this. He says, when Paul combines these three elements of Christian spirituality, as in this context, Colossians, it is usually to provide a basic and sufficient description of the genuine Christian. These three qualities are the hallmarks and proper evidences of a work of God in the soul of man. More than this may not be required in assessing the worth of a believer's claim to be a true child of God. He's essentially saying this is the test. And so it's a good time to review whether these three things could be used to describe your Christian life. Or is your Christian life just fire insurance? It was never intended to be like that. And so your application this week is to examine yourself. To see which of these three basics need some work. Is your faith growing? Do you have doubts that you just leave alone and you don't press into them? You don't ask questions. Don't seek out counsel. You got questions? Bring them. We are here for that. Love for the saints, your tribe. Do your fellow believers just annoy you? And you want to stay away from them? It's probably because you love them for what they can do for you and not because Jesus died for you and for them. And so I would challenge you, start with an act of love towards someone that isn't automatic for you and watch what God does. Hope. Do you live like this place is your home? Do the things of this world, the money, the stuff, the politics, whatever, does it look to others like this is your home? It's in my notes, but it's probably, I shouldn't. If I were to look at your Facebook feed, where would I think your home was? Wow. I don't know who put that in the notes. It's crazy. All right. And so what we're going to see Paul do in the book of Colossians, in his letter to these, this church he's never met, in his letter to a church that's in a town that's dying, in his letter to a church that is being kind of punched by people that are coming in and adding to it, he's going to keep these as central. And we're going to see next week how much Paul presses into the notion of the Savior and how important he is, and I can't wait to get there with you guys next week. But what Paul does in today's passage is he says, okay, we've got the Savior, the tribe, and the home, and we need to be pressing into those things. Faith, love, and hope are the, the three legs of the stool for our Christian walk. And then he talks about the results. And the results are in uh, verse 10. And so result number one, Paul says, a worthy life. Verse 10, you'll see it up here. Sorry, I'm going to bang right through these quickly. Um, 
So if you're taking notes, I apologize. But the first one is a worthy life. Verse 10, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Paul actually says, you got these three, you're chasing them, you're walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. Result number two, a pleasing life. Look how that verse continues. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. Really, Paul? We can walk in a way that's worthy of the Lord and pleases him? The answer is yes, and it's about the basics. Result number three, fruit. Keep reading in verse 10. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work. There will be fruit. And result number four, knowledge of God. And we put these four together. You see it in verse 10. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. a savior, a tribe, a home. Following Jesus well looks like a worthy life, a pleasing life, a fruitful life, and a life that is continually growing in the knowledge of God. And it involves getting the basics right. A savior, a tribe, a home, getting the basics right is the key to following Jesus well. And so I hope that's challenged you a little bit today to understand, you know, what we're standing on, what, our, what, 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 what the Christian life is built on. I've got a quote from J.I. Packer here. Imagine that. It's not up top. It's not up on the projection system. So if you just want to close your eyes and listen, whatever. But I love how he wrapped this up. I couldn't believe I found this one that was pretty much like J.I. Packer decided to preach my sermon in a paragraph. But this is what he says. He says, do I as a Christian understand myself? Do I know my own real identity? My own real destiny? I am a child of God. God is my father. Heaven is my home. Every day is one day nearer. My savior is my brother. Every Christian is my brother too. Say it over and over again to yourself, first thing in the morning, last thing at night, as you wait for the bus, any time when your mind is free, and ask God that you may be enabled to live as one who knows it is all utterly and completely true. For this is the Christian secret of the Christian life of a God-honoring life. Wow. And so, as Paul often does, he will, he will get to a place where he's sharing, he's being theological, he's explaining amazing truths, and then he just goes back to make sure that it's all about Jesus. Verses 13 and 14, I'm going to put up here. It says, he, it's talking about God, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom? We have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Okay? So Paul ends verses 3 through 14 with the forgiveness of sins. The forgiveness of sins. The forgiveness of sins. 
Well, you say, Steve, what sins? All of them. All of them. The ones in the past, the ones that you will commit this afternoon, the ones that you will commit in the future, you are covered. All of your sins have been forgiven. All of your sins have been forgiven. And so as we go to communion, we are going to celebrate the last five words of our passage today, celebrating redemption, the forgiveness of sins. If we did not have the forgiveness of sins, there's nothing to talk about. And so the heart of the gospel is not our commitment to God. And I need you to hear me. As we, as we cover this right now. The heart of the gospel, it's not our commitment to God, but it's his free and merciful offer to commit himself to us. That our acceptance of Jesus is meaningless unless God sent him. The very essence of the gospel is not you and me striving to make Jesus our Lord, but of Jesus in the mystery of mysteries, making us his tribe, his brothers and sisters, despite the fact that we continually find ourselves to be completely undeserving to be in his tribe. And so we remember, because we need a reminder every single day that we have nothing, no faith, no tribe, no home if it's not for the gift of Jesus on the cross. So if you get your elements ready, if you're someone that's here and you have not put your trust in Jesus to forgive all your sins and to make you right with God, this isn't for you. It's just not. The Bible has some pretty stern warnings for for celebrating in an incorrect way. If you have, if your sins are forgiven, Jesus told us to make sure that we remember and we remember regularly. Because here's the reality. We might understand theologically that our sins Yesterdays, todays, and tomorrows are completely covered and completely forgiven, but we don't live like that. And so we need a reminder. We need a reminder that it's not about us. And so the Bible tells us that when Jesus had given thanks... supper with his disciples, he broke it and said, this is my body. It's for you. Do this in remembrance of me. For Jesus to use those words, my body, it's broken. For you, for you, body's broken for you. And then Jesus took the cup, 
And it says, in the same way, also he took the cup. After supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, new relationship in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. As we finish up here, I want you to kind of take this thought with you as you leave today. It is, it is crazy. It's inconceivable to think that God would forgive all of our sins and then not give us a new way to live. And so we've celebrated that God has forgiven our sins, and we need to do that regularly. But we've also been given a new life, a new life that has a savior, a tribe, and a home. To be pardoned and then only have the same old life without deliverance to a new one would essentially just be mockery. And it is never taught in the New Testament. He has given us a new life with a savior, a tribe, and a home. These are the objects of our faith, of our love, and our hope. If the musicians and singers can come up, that'd be great. We are going to close. (laughs) And sometimes you might think Steve must spend so much time with his music and worship team to come up with stuff that ties out so great to the sermon. Nope. They just did it. We're going to close the song, Hope Has a Name. Hope has a name. His name is Jesus. My Savior's cross has set this sinner free. Hope has a name. His name is Jesus. Oh, Christ be praised. I have victory. We're going to sing that together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, We look with some disdain on false teachers that would come into a church and would add to the gospel and think, well, how could they do that? And yet, what we find ourselves doing on a regular basis is consistently being in a place where what you've given us is not enough. We need more. You have given us a savior. You have given us a tribe to reflect your love to you've given us a home for eternity. Lord, may those three things be the three legs of a strong stool that we set ourselves on in such love, in such hope, in such wonder, in such mystery for what you've done for us. And even as we sing today, may we give all the glory to Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.